This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Billy Derrick, alongside Joey Dwyer for our first basketball podcast of the season. It's presented by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and & Belk, and the Mater Nexon Government Contracts Group. Joey, first, we've got uh, topics on today's show. We've got It's, it's all basketball today, um, but we do have a, a pretty big piece of news I want to get to. Uh, but the topics are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. Also, this season's baseball content. So coming up, stay tuned for that. They are a family-owned, third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and north Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at npmci.com and tell them vandysports.com sent you. Joey, we're talking basketball. And uh, I don't know if you – have you done the countdown? I meant to do the the countdown uh, to the season, uh, to count the days. Um, I know I know we're uh, we're used to doing that, uh, especially, especially in the midst of a football season like this. I think a lot of Vandy fans are excited uh, for basketball season already. Um but, Joey, we've got some big baseball news to get to, but I think a lot of people are excited um, about this basketball season coming up. Yeah, this will be a fun podcast. Billy, I've been itching to do this for a long time. I've written a lot of basketball stuff. By the, by the start of the season, I don't know if there's anything that I'll have written that I I mean, <laughs> couldn't have. I think I've, I've written everything possible before the season. I feel like I'm kind of getting there already. But it'll be fun to talk about this. Hopefully this will be more of a recurring thing with the way Football's heading. If football wins a game, I'm sure basketball will take a week off. But really excited to get into it. And it uh, should be an interesting season for Vanderbilt. And Jerry Sack has his fifth year as it looks to make the NCAA tournament for the first time. We'll preview Vanderbilt's uh, schedule. Of course, they got a little bit of a lighter uh, non-conference slate. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some players to watch. And we've got a lot of good mailbag questions to get to. So it won't be a super long podcast, but that's kind of how we're going to line it up. Uh, but first, our news of the day. That's brought to you by The Wash House, which is also our presenting sponsor for basketball season. So we're going to be bringing up The Wash House a lot uh, here in the next uh, several months uh, during basketball season. If you're dreading laundry day, let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. They've got two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area. Just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to their website. That's washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com. Or stop in today and get your time back. Joey, let's start with an interesting piece uh, last night. And it was it was pretty late last night. I think around 11, uh, 11 15 or so. I had already gotten done watching the Braves and and celebrating their, their win last night. And I saw this on Twitter Top high school prospect, first baseman, Rintaro Sasaki, has not sum- submitted his application for the MPB draft. That's the, the professional uh, league in Japan this year and has decided on studying abroad in the United States. The Japanese Prince Fielder, they call him, set the all-time Japanese high school record with 140 homers. Joey, I mean, I, I wrote the piece uh, up, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, on, on the site and kind of detailed a lot of you know what had been going on with him and and the 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 decision that that he has to make and this is kind of the first step of him potentially landing at Vanderbilt I think you have some insight on what Kendall Rogers uh, from D1 Baseball uh, had had tweeted out about his 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 choices and again this is not you know, oh, he's going to Vanderbilt. It's it's nowhere near official yet. And we talked before we re- recorded that we don't even know when he would be eligible. W- would he be eligible this year? Uh, you know, would he have to wait another season? Who knows? Um, but nonetheless, Joey, Vandy's in the mix. And and that's something to be excited about if you're a Vandy fan, I think. Yeah, when you're talking about baseball recruiting, even at a school like Vanderbilt, you know, it's probably a big deal, especially when it gets mixed into a podcast this early. Like you said, Prince Fielder comparisons, left-handed power bat who plays first base. Vanderbilt really needs that with the loss of Parker Nolan. Mm-hmm. And even with Parker Nolan, I think Vanderbilt could have certainly used a little more left-handed power in the lineup. And that is going to be a huge acquisition if Vanderbilt can get it. Kendall Rogers said it's down to Vandy and Cal from what he's hearing. Maybe not verbatim, but kind of seems like that's kind of the case. 
that would be an excellent get for Vanderbilt to kind of pair with some of the pieces it has. I think the biggest kind of question I have about this year's roster is, is there enough power? And particularly, is there enough left-handed power? Who plays first base? All those questions would be answered and answered in a big way, Billy. Yeah, Joey, this could be monumental uh, in the NIL era. Uh, you know, in in not just college baseball, but college sports as a whole, bringing over a kid, a top prospect like this from Japan uh, after denying the professional baseball league in Japan. So he obviously wants to play in America and he wants to study in America and kind of, you know, become potentially another type of Shohei Otani type guy. I mean, he's not a pitcher, uh, but maybe like a college version of a Shohei Otani. I got a question about that on Twitter um, you know, somebody asked me, is, is he the next Otani absent the pitching skills? And I mean, I think you could, you, it's looking that way. I mean, he, he's, he's like six, one, two sixty. I mean, he's huge. And so he's uh he's a guy to watch. We'll, we'll be keeping our eye on him and, and we'll, we'll try to give you guys the latest. I'm, I'm going to try to keep digging, Joe. I'm really intrigued by this because I don't really know. I, apparently the MPB is going to, is going to fire back and because they don't, they usually don't like this and I don't think they have a rule in place against players doing this um but it's not uh it's not appreciated if if you if you you know deny the or you fail to submit you know at your application to the MPB draft so I I'm, I'm going to try to dig deeper into this and see what we can we can gather uh, and then yeah. maybe uh maybe we end up breaking some news Joe <laughs> who knows you know what's interesting too is I think I saw that he's not eligible to get NIL money because he's a foreign player so that would be a really interesting mm. twist here and maybe that's a way Vanderbilt can kind of get even with the schools who are kind of throwing out bags and Vanderbilt leaning on NIL. Do yeah. That. yeah, Vanderbilt maybe could pull an Arizona or Gonzaga basketball and kind of try to dominate the overseas recruiting thing. And I don't yeah. know if that's something we thought we would say about Tim Corbin's program, but that's a path. And maybe this is an exception because this is a guy who's really talented and could be a difference maker. But I wonder if Vanderbilt kind of looks there. And I guess it's done a little bit of it in the past, but maybe international recruiting is something that kind of gets this program back to where it was yeah and I mentioned that at the end of my piece Joey I made sure to bring up the fact that you know Tim Corbin has, has by a select group of fans has been you know, critiqued at times for the you know maybe lack of NIL presence lack of activity in the portal but you're right this could be a, a sort of a, a way to get even on that and 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 get back to that you know they're still an elite program right but these last couple of years I think Vanderbilt fans have been uh, questioning certain things. Um, so this would be a really interesting way for them to, uh, you know, initiate their presence, at, you know, overseas and maybe start to bring over more players. So it'll be interesting. I, I know Kevin Stallings did that, uh, you know, way before our time covering Vandy, you know, with the basketball team. But uh, it's Vanderbilt to school where you can do that. And, and you know, it's, it's appealing for a lot of different athletes and, and, and high school athletes. So we'll watch that. We'll continue to track that and, uh, and see what happens. Joey, let's move on to basketball. And uh, we, we've, we've got today's news out of the day. Nothing really uh, else other than uh, news. I know Clark is speaking today ahead of the Georgia game on Saturday. And we'll have our Wednesday roundtable uh, tomorrow. And then we've got uh, Friday pregame show. So late, loaded week of, uh, of content kind of giving us a teaser of what we might might get here in uh, getting into the winter months, Joey. But let's let's fire it off here. Vanderbilt basketball 2023-24 season preview. And, uh, you know, this might surprise a few people, but Joey, season starts November the 7th. I mean, we're under a month away. And, uh, and I think some people have already started maybe pointing to you know their excitement about basketball season a little bit earlier than than they wanted to because of what's happened in football. You know that's sort of how it goes when, as a fan, when you feel like your football season is is down in the dumps. You know you you start to turn towards basketball, and I think some some fans are doing that. But Joey, let's do it ourselves. And, and you know I'm glad we're we're, we're starting this early uh, because we've got a lot to talk about. You know we've got a lot of new faces uh, to dive into and a lot of transfers uh, to learn about i mean we're still learning about about these guys you know i mean we got a mailbag question about you know camp intel uh you know from nba you know scouting scouting training camp intel and uh, we have not been out there i know you probably know more a little bit about that than me but joey where you want to start Let, let's let's start with overall sort of overarching thoughts right last season you covered <laughs> i mean you could you could write a book about last season 
um, you know, especially you in particular. I mean, you were there. You kind of had that inside access to to a wild season last year. Heading into this season, what what's the vibe? What what's what's the feeling around this team? Like you said, in an uber important year five for Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, I think Jerry Stackhouse feels really good about what he has. I don't know that I feel as good as he does, but it seems like he loves what he has, loves the athleticism he has, loves kind of the depth he has. And I think he thinks that he has an advantage in those areas. Maybe this is a better shooting team than he's had in the past. The good news for Vanderbilt fans is that I think every game this year is going to matter and every game is going to be important. The bad news Mm -hmm. for Vanderbilt fans is also that every game is going to be important and Vanderbilt is not going to be able to slip up in the non-conference like it did last year. I think Jerry Stackhouse has kind of changed his philosophy on the net and kind of trying to play to that rather than trying to kind of season his team a little bit more early. There's a lot of bye games on this schedule. There's a lot of games that Vanderbilt's going to have to win by a lot to kind of pump that net up. And I think the blueprint for this team is a little bit different than it has been in the past. Stackhouse has really relied on his team being in great shape for SEC play and kind of living off of that. It hasn't worked thus far. So I think Vanderbilt is kind of trying to be a team that can maybe get itself in the 40 or 50 range heading into SEC play in the net. And then maybe as you enter SEC play, if you're just kind of marginal in SEC play, you can probably find a way to sneak in the tournament. I think I tend to look at Mississippi State last year as a team that is kind of an example here. If Vanderbilt can go, say, what would that be, 12-1 and one or 11-2 and two in non-conference play, yeah. maybe it can be high enough in the net in the Ken Palm to where it doesn't have to go into SEC play and win 13 games or win 11 games. It can kind of just be sitting around 500, can be an average team in SEC play and can make the tournament. I know that made a lot of Vanderbilt fans angry last year that Vanderbilt kind of wiped the floor with Mississippi State at Memorial last year on senior night. And Mississippi State got in and Vanderbilt didn't, even though Mississippi State wasn't playing great basketball. I think that's kind of the blueprint this year for Vanderbilt. Stackhouse has kind of realized that, hey, the tournament committee doesn't look at March and February the way they used to. They like the whole body of work, and you have to bring it from day one. I think that's kind of the theme this year for Vanderbilt. Has it the ground running a little bit early? I'll have a piece on that probably next week or maybe this week. We'll see. But I think that's the theme here. Vanderbilt has to hit the ground running early. Every game is going to matter. I think the blueprint looks a little bit different, at least in my mind, maybe not in Stackhouse's mind. But I think that's kind of how Vanderbilt has to get there. I don't know that this team's going to have the success it had in SEC play. I'd like to temper my expectations there a little bit. But every game is going to be important. Vanderbilt's probably going to be around the bubble again this year. So meaningful basketball throughout the entire year. Can't say there's meaningful football throughout the entire year thus far. So <laughs> it'll be fun to cover some games that matter. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting a change of scenery uh, for, for basketball season, Joe. I think we can at least start there as a baseline uh, heading into this season. But I like what you said uh, a lot about the schedule, Joe. And, and I want to get to that here in a second. But Looking at, I, I went over and looked at the the overall stats last year. Going, you know, the individual stats, and it was really astounding. Just, and I highlighted the guys that are gone. And Joey, that's over half. Like over half of the production is gone. They're losing fifty two points per game. They averaged seventy two points per game last year, right? They're they're losing a ton of minutes, um, right? You you lose Liam Robbins. You lose Jordan Wright. You lose Studi, Trey Thomas, Noah Shelby, QMB, Ansong, Malik Dia. So, you know, obviously there's there's some guys that I just named that, you know, I think Jerry Stackhouse can live with losing. Um, but the question is, can he live with losing Liam Robbins, right? Can he live with losing a guy like a Jordan Wright who, you know, I'll admit Joey went out and won some games for him last year, I thought, you know, down the stretch. Um, Miles Studi obviously was hot and cold throughout the year, but a you know a a streaky shooter. But I mean he 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 hits some big shots. I don't think he played particularly well down the stretch. Same with Trey Thomas, but I think I think you can afford to lose some of these guys later in the list, like a Noah Shelby, even a QMB. You know QMB was he was good, he was gritty, right? He 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 did what he could at his size and his his ability. Uh, but I think if you're Stackhouse, you're happy about maybe getting a little bit more athletic there. Um, and then Dia and Ansong, you know, just more, I mean, those guys really didn't play a ton. So you look at the production and you're losing a lot of it, right? Uh, you are, but you've also still got arguably, I think 
the best backcourt in the SEC, or at least one of them, right? I think you can reasonably say Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mignon are one of the best backcourts in the SEC, right? I don't know if I'd go too far to say they are the best, right? There's a lot of other good backcourts in the conference. There's a lot of other good backcourts in the in the country, but I think Vanderbilt is up there, right? And and, and they haven't been in that spot in a while. I, I really don't think. And, and you talk about postseason play, Joey, with having two guards like that to rely on is huge. And, and it can really carry you, right? It, it can really carry you uh, throughout the postseason. So if Vanderbilt does get in the NCAA tournament, I think they've got a, a, a reasonable shot to make some sort of a run. Now, we've got a whole season to play out. But I, I think with Lawrence and Mignon, you've got a nice foundation there, a couple of veteran guys. Uh, Colin Smith, of course, will have to step up, Joey. Pa- Paul Lewis is another guy that's going to have to step up. Lee Dort. So there's some sophomores that are really, really going to have some pressure on them, you know, to to step in there and play huge roles, I think, you know, because if you, if you have an injury, if you have any sort of setback, you know, you're relying on either a sophomore, really, or, a, you know, a, a grad transfer, right, or, or even a freshman. So, there's not a ton of experience in this system from from a lot of these guys, other than the like Lawrence and Mignon. They've got a ton of experience in the system. Colin Smith is is a, has a year under his belt. Same for Paul Lewis. But that's what I'm watching player wise, Joey. Um, obviously, we know about the experience backcourt. Evan Taylor is a guy that that I'm also watching. Average 14 points a game at Lehigh last year. Um, but Vanderbilt's got a young front court. Colin Smith, right? I, I, you would assume we'll, we'll play a lot, play some threes, play some four. But Van Allen, Lubin, I think we're expecting him to start. Um, you know, young front court, Joe. So that's kind of the, the the two sides of the spectrum here, right? You love your back court. You love what you got at the guard position with Mannion, Lawrence, Taylor, Lewis, uh, Rivera, Torres, guys like that, Presley, you know, Isaiah West. You feel like you got some good depth there and some experience. But in the front court, it's a little bit more shaky with Lubin, Dort, uh, Comateros coming in, Carter Lang, even a guy like J.Q. Roberts, who I, I really like, Joe. I, I really like J.Q. Roberts. So that's kind of a, a rough outline. I, I, I know I think we have the same projected starting five. Uh, I think you would agree. Ezra Magnone at the one, Tyver Lawrence at the two, Evan Taylor at the three, Colin Smith at the four, uh, and then Lubin at the five. So I think everyone, I mean, that's been pretty universal, right? And, and it, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to guess that. But what's next after that? And that, that's where the questions come in, I think, Joey. Where do you go, um, you know, on the bench? Yeah, I'll start with kind of the experience piece. Obviously, Vanderbilt loses a lot. There's no denying that. <clears throat> I was kind of the one banging the drum that the losses are a little more important than you would think. And I got some flack for that this offseason. But I think it's true Jordan Wright was probably their best individual defender. Liam Robbins was their best shot blocker. So you lose something defensively there. And I think my biggest question with this team is the front court and obviously defense as well. I don't think this team grades out very well defensively on an individual basis. I think Chris has some more numbers there than I do. But I think they're a team that might struggle a little bit in terms of shot blocking, just in terms of defense in general. They have some good defenders. They have some athleticism and some switchability that I like. But I'm really interested to see if this group can defend as a whole. And it feels like maybe that's the Achilles heel of this group is the front court and the defense. But what kind of gives me optimism, I guess, that the experience won't matter as much is that they have two experienced guards that are back. I think guard plays the most important thing in college basketball now. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you have to have good bigs who can defend, who can get you a bucket in the post here or there to stop a run or block a shot here or there, get a rebound. But – having two guards who kind of know the offense and Jerry Stackhouse's offense is not easy to master from the looks of it. Two guys who know that offense, who know how to play in these big moments and who know kind of how to run the show here, I think it'd be really valuable as they try to hit the ground running early. And I think that's what gives me optimism that maybe this team could take a step forward. I don't think you can win solely off guard play though. And I think we know that Vanderbilt has some good players to compliment I think this roster is generally built just to complement those two guys from the looks of it. Obviously, Rivera Torres is going to have to get his own shot here or there. Van Allen Lubin going to have to get a post up here or there, but it feels like those guys are kind of complemented well, even if the talent isn't at the level of SCC 
I guess, at every position. But it feels mm-hmm. like Vanderbilt kind of has – I mean, they have a foundation with that backcourt. I would probably say it's a top five, maybe six backcourt in the league. I think Kentucky's really good. Auburn has a good backcourt with some transfers. Alabama has a decent backcourt as well. Um, I'm missing one as well. Arkansas, there's a few other really good backcourts. Tennessee as well, who returns Ziegler and Vescovy. So Mm -hmm. there's some interesting things here to look at in the backcourt. I think Vanderbilt is kind of in the mix of that group, whether you think they're better than Tennessee or Arkansas with LLS and Debo Davis and a few other guards. They're there. I don't know that they can win you every single game just on their back, though. I don't know that they're the best backcourt in the country. I think Tyron Lawrence said that a little bit jokingly. I think that was <laughs> maybe taken a bit out of context. But Vanderbilt certainly has a case there in terms of being one of the better backcourts in the league, whether it can complement that with its defensive play, whether it can help its guards out in the pick and roll or with open shooters on the perimeter. That's yet to be seen. I think that's what will determine how far this team really goes. Yeah, and I mentioned the, the sophomores. I think the sophomores are going to be key, Joey. Uh, Colin Smith. Then Allen Lubin, transfer from Notre Dame, uh, Paul Lewis and Lee Dort, right? You, you've got you know you've got three front court type guys. Colin Smith might play a little bit of guard, but probably mostly in the front court, and Paul Lewis, uh, a back court guy. So, you know, <laughs> everything points to you know you're fine at the guard spot. I mean, you really are. You you don't have really much at all to worry about at the guard position. Even if Manion or Lawrence goes down, you know. You could switch if Man Young goes down. Put Lawrence at point. You've also still got Paul Lewis, Presley, West. I mean, who's a a, a combo type guard? So, you know, guard you're fine. But if you know at, at the post, if you get hurt, say Lubin gets hurt within the first five or ten games, okay, you've got Lee Dort who played you know a little bit last year and showed flashes. But after Dort, it's really just uh, Tasos Camateros. And Carter Lang and, and Roberts, who's not even really a five. He's more of a four type of guy. Um, so th- that's where it gets hairy. And, and I think fans know that. I mean, the, the staff probably knows that. So they've got uh, very little margin for error uh, at that at that spot, at that position. But I was talking to you earlier this season, Joey. Um, it's probably a month or two ago. Um, you know, I, we were trying to figure out what this team could be. And, and I, you know, I brought up the fact that you know, the SEC, you mentioned the, the backcourts. There's really not a whole lot of scary frontcourts. You know, there's not a, you know, I think Tolu Smith just went down from Mississippi State. So we'll see, you know, about his status. But Tolu Smith was the guy, really, for me. I mean, that I look at around the league. And, you know, obviously Sheboy's gone at, from Kentucky. I think Plavsic is gone from Tennessee. Uh, we know about Alabama. They've always got an athletic five and four guys. So they're they're it's a different mold nowadays of of a of a front court, right? You see more athleticism within these five and four guys, and I think Stack knows that. I think he, you know, like bringing in a, a JQ Roberts. He's a freshman, but down the road, I think they're really excited about him. Kamateros is a stretch type of guy where he'll pick and pop. He, but they, I, I just don't know how physical they're going to be. But you look at the rest of the league, Joey. I don't know how physical down low the rest of the league is going to be. When in reality, I mean, you probably know better than me, but I mean, I look around the league and I, and there's not many front courts that really pop out and say, you know, it's kind of scary. I'm not saying Vanderbilt. I'm not saying this means Vanderbilt won't struggle because I think they still will, but it might be alle- alleviated a little bit just because you look around the league and it might be a down year at least at that five and four position. Yeah, it's a different game now than it used to be guard play wins. The front court just has to be good enough. And we talked about that in the summer on a podcast. Vanderbilt's front court just has to do the little things well enough, and it has to be able to supplement Vanderbilt's guards well enough from time to time. And I think Vanderbilt would be okay with that. I'm not expecting this to be a top five or maybe even a top ten front court in the SEC. But if they can just be good enough to kind of hold their own, they'll be fine. You saw at the end of last season against Mississippi State, they played against Holy Smith with only QMB. I don't even think Lee Dort was available at that point. I think and they Jordan won. Wright was guarding him a, a, yeah. a few times too. They got out rebounded by 15 or 20 yeah. and won the game by 10, 15 points. So Vanderbilt can do that. That's not a way to live in the league, though. That's not a way to win regular season games. Maybe you can do that from time to time in a tournament game or if the other team's guards are not having a great night. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's a big enough difference between Ezra Mignon and Tyron Lawrence versus an LLS or Devo Davis to where Vanderbilt can beat Arkansas only on its guard play consistently or look against Kentucky. I don't think there's a big enough difference between Ezra Mignon and 
DJ Wagner or Tyron Lawrence and Rob Dillingham or Tyron Lawrence and Antonio Reeves, it's somewhat comparable in terms of what both teams have in the backcourt and the other teams will probably have a little more in the front court. So Vanderbilt's front court has to be able to be serviceable at least. And I think that's probably my biggest concern is can they at least keep their own on the boards and extend possessions from time to time on the offensive end? Can Vanderbilt find ways to kind of help those guards out? I think the offense is going to be built really well just in terms of that because Evan Taylor's a guy who shot at 40% from three last year. I think Colin Smith did as well. So you have two guys who can really shoot it on the outside. Van Leuven's a good pick and roll big as well. So they have stuff there. It's just a matter of can that product come together quickly because I think the offense is going to be um, a group that's going to have to be greater than the sum of its parts. Defensively, I think it's going to have to be that way as well. I wonder what Stackhouse does in terms of team defense. He's not going to play zone a whole lot, you wouldn't think, but he has the athleticism and kind of the switchability to do some things that maybe he hasn't done as much in the past, maybe pressure a little bit, which he's always liked the idea of, but has never actually done a whole lot. I think he has the athleticism to do that this year. I think there's a lot more switchability in terms of what he has. So Vanderbilt's going to have to have some guys who step up. Yeah, that's Evan Taylor going and get a, getting his own off the bounce from here or there, maybe hitting three or four threes off the catch. Maybe it's Jason Rivera-Torres being kind of a microwave scorer off the bench to start the year. Paul Lewis could do the same. Maybe Colin Smith steps into a, more of an off-the-dribble role, and we'll talk about him more in the mailbag. But I think Colin Smith is a guy who could really take a leap, and I think it's going to be really important that he takes a leap for Vanderbilt to kind of compete with these other SEC teams. Colin Smith's a legit SEC recruit. And he's a guy at the end of the last year, you saw him kind of expand his game, expand his package a little bit off the dribble. I'm really excited for Colin Smith to kind of see what he has in him this year. It feels like he could be a guy who takes a jump significantly. We'll talk about that more later, though. Yeah, and you mentioned, can this product come together early? Right. Last season, that was a story of the year, Joey. They they just they, they were not able to mesh early in the season. But boy, did they mesh late in the season. They won 12 of their last 15 games and got on that hot streak and and were this close to making the tournament, right? So it it comes down to, I think, with a, with this group, more times than not, how will this team mesh early? In particular with the transfers, with new guys like, um, you know, like an Evan Taylor, like Vin Allen Lubin, Kamateros, and the freshmen, how quickly can they mesh? And a lot of that is is within preseason basketball, right? And, and maybe they feel like they've already meshed and, and they're ready to roll for the season, but I think that plays right into the schedule, right? And we've got a lot of mailbag questions that we'll get to as well. But they've got to be better in their non-conference. I mean, they just they have to be. The schedule is much more favorable. And, Joey, I did some research in, in the net rankings. I looked at the last net rankings of the season. I think it was April 3rd after the tournament, so the final net rankings of the season. The average net for non-conference opponents last year for Vanderbilt was 135, right? 135, and obviously they lost to Southern Miss. They lost uh, to Grambling. Uh, They lost at VCU. They lost against St. Mary's. Uh, They lost against NC State. Uh, But they also played tough teams like Memphis and Temple um, and and a a Pitt team that ended up being pretty good. Uh, they, They won that game against Pitt. But even like a Fresno State and a Temple, like those are better non-conference teams than most people would even think about playing. This year, Joey, flip it around, average net ranking for opponent, 173. So, and I know, again, you can take take that as you wish, but I think there is a little bit of truth to that. And I think they, they looked at that non-conference schedule and said, all right, let's bring in, you know, teams like Presbyterian and USC Upstate and UNC Greensboro and Central Arkansas, those are the first four games on the schedule. They should win all four of those, Joey. I mean, I think we can, I think we can agree on that. But then you head out to Vegas and it gets tougher. NC State. Uh, so NC State, a team, with they ended the season 43 in the net. They lost to Creighton last year in the NCAA tournament. So good NC State team. And then you've got three more games after that that you should win. Boston College is not a very good team. Alabama A&M, and then San Francisco. So I think there's a reasonable chance this team starts with seven of their first nine games being wins. Um, you know, seven of their eight or nine, however that'll work out. But you've also got tougher games against Texas Tech and Memphis down the stretch there. But you mix in Western Carolina and Dartmouth. So, Joey, there, there's just 
there's more opportunities for wins in the non-conference, and I think that's exactly what they wanted. Yeah, I think maybe the best part of the non-conference schedule for me is that they're kind of easing into it. They have four bye games to start the year, and then they play an NC State team who isn't going to be as good as last year, lost its best player, but I think that mm -hmm. NC State team is about as good as Vanderbilt still. I think yeah. BYU and Arizona State are teams that are pretty comparable to Vanderbilt as well, so those will be big games for them. But what I like is that <clears throat> those four games they can kind of use to mesh. Vanderbilt's offense was really stagnant against Memphis, and I think that was largely because you go into that game with a brand-new point guard, with a big who hasn't played a whole lot, and then Jordan Wright was expected to kind of be the alpha guy. It wasn't quite that. So I'm interested to see is Vanderbilt kind of – able to ease in a little bit more and kind of get rolling by the time they play NC State offensively. That'll be a big test for them, a more athletic team than they'll see the first four games. But it'll be really interesting to see, does Vanderbilt kind of benefit from a different scheduling philosophy? Can it blow those teams out early in the year, I think is also a big question. I don't know that we're going to see as much of, say, Malik Presley and J.Q. Roberts in those games. I think we might see Vanderbilt's real SEC rotation in those games, maybe some first half minutes for the other guys. But Vanderbilt's going to have to bring it to those teams and going to have to play a full 40 minutes against those teams just to boost its net. I think the, I guess the margin of victory thing is a little overrated, but it's still something that rings true a little bit. So I'm interested to see can Vanderbilt kind of set the tone early with its offense and kind of get flowing a little bit. Maybe it can establish some confidence defensively as well and be able to be a little more joined at the hip defensively than it was early last year. Yeah, the, the, the two non-conference games right before SEC play in December, I think will tell a lot of the story with this team, how they compete. Uh, you know, give you a good taste. Texas Tech is a team that's coming off a down year. They finished in the bottom of the Big 12, but they were still 62 in the net last year. Like, they, they, you know, and, and I, they're, t they're a, a preeminently solid program, so I think they'll be better. And then Memphis, Joey, I think we're, we're both planning on going to that one. That's a nationally televised game. Memphis is a team that won their conference last year. That's their toughest non-conference game. But, you know, you've also got Texas Tech, NC State. You know, Boston College is a team that they're not very good. Vanderbilt should I don't know that about game. that, Billy. I like Boston College a lot. Really? Boston College has an old point guard who does a lot of good things and a better big than Vanderbilt has on its roster. I think Boston College is going to give them some trouble. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think that's a team that could – Maybe not be an NCAA tournament team, but I think that's a really solid group. I was looking at their net from last year, 166. So I guess I didn't do enough research <laughs> there. But They weren't uh, good last year, but they had some pretty high expectations, and they have a lot of returners as well. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you never know with basketball, Joe. I mean, it's similar to football. You, you, just, you really never know what you're going to get with a lot of these teams. But I think Vanderbilt knows what they should get in those first four games four wins to start the year. And that's where you mesh, right? That's where I think we're going to learn a lot about how this team will mesh together. And then you head out to Vegas. Uh, you've got the ACC SEC challenge against Boston college. You've got that coast to coast challenge uh, in Fort Worth against Texas tech. And then you finish at Memphis. They've got another game against Dartmouth uh, before SEC play January 6th against Alabama. So uh, we'll, we'll be diving more into that schedule a little bit more down the road, Joey. Um, and, and we will also be talking about different position groups and, um, you know, different themes throughout this preseason. You know, we've still got, you know, just under a month to go. Uh, but SEC Media Days, uh, they're calling it SEC Tip-Off, uh, October the 18th and 19th. October 18th is actually my birthday. I wouldn't be able to go anyway, uh, but I probably wouldn't go uh, if I could. Um, but Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Magnone will be there, and Joey Dwyer will be there. You'll be down there. So, uh, bringing the mic, getting us, getting us some content, mm -hmm. and I'm sure writing some pieces. So there it is. So looking forward to that, Joe. It'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, no surprise, Lawrence and Manio were chosen. So mm -hmm. um, it'll be fun to to see the content that comes out of that. But nonetheless, you ready for the mailbag, Joe? Absolutely. And I wanted to talk about me today a little bit. They're trying to market the heck out of Ezra Manio and Tyron Lawrence, and that kind of tells you mm -hmm. what this roster is going to be about. Those are its feature guys. Those are the face of the program guys. And I think other guys will have some good nights, but those are the guys that are going to run this team, and those are the guys yep. that will determine how far this team goes. Yeah, I mean, I, that's this team is going to revolve around Manion and Lawrence. I, I think I think we can we can agree on that. But we've got we've got a good question coming up about maybe some X factors, uh, some mm -hmm. some guys that will also be huge to this team. 
Speaking of the mailbag, it is brought to you by the longest-running Vandy Sports sponsor of any of them, Sutherland & Belk. They're a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. Their number, 615-846-6200. Again, that's 615-846-6200. Shoot them a call if you've got any questions or to see what your rights are and if they can help. Also, our guest line, our guest is Joey Dwyer. It's presented by John Leffin and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Maynard Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call, 256-551-0171. Again, that's 256-551-0171. All right, Joey, let's start with Vandy Fan underscore 23. Non-conference record prediction. Joey, you uh, you want to start with that one? I don't know if you uh, if you've if you've actually made it yet, but uh, let's hear it. I'm gonna go with ten and three, and that might be a little unpopular. I think there's a big difference between nine wins and eleven wins, and I think ten's probably kind of the spot that they'll be at. I'm not as bullish on this team to say they're gonna run the table in non-conference play or they're gonna win every game that they're supposed to. Memphis would be the only one. I guess Texas Tech too might be favorite over Vanderbilt, so they're only gonna be underdogs in maybe one, two, or three games. But I think with the track record of the non-conference schedule that Stackhouse had last year and the way they competed early and frankly couldn't beat teams that they probably should have, I'm not as confident that maybe they're going to go into Vegas and beat NC State or beat Arizona State. I think they win the four to start the year. They're going to be 4-0. They probably split in Vegas, if I had to guess. They'll probably beat BYU if they – lose to NC State or maybe beat Arizona State. I don't think Arizona Mm -hmm. State impresses me a whole lot. Um, Then you go home and play Boston College. I think that's a game that I mentioned a little bit could be a little bit of a gotcha game. I think Boston College is better than you think. They have some pieces. Prince of League Bay is a guy who Notre Dame recruited a few years ago who I covered the recruitment of. That guy is going to be a really good player. Also, Quentin Post, one of the better bigs in the league in the ACC, I guess. Jaden Zachary, one of the better point guards in the ACC. So Boston College has some pieces, and that's going to be a net killer if Vanderbilt loses that game. So that one's going to be really important, as are all the non-conference games. Um, moving forward, Alabama and M, you should beat San Francisco. I think he'll be down this year. Sneaky. <clears throat> yeah, I think they'll be down, though, with the new coach and such. I think they're going to take some time to probably rebuild that thing. Texas mm-hmm. Tech, I think we'll have some – they'll provide we'll some difficulties – but with a new coach, you don't really know, and I don't think the roster has the talent that you would think. I mean, they wanted Tyron Lawrence. They tried to throw a bag at Tyron Lawrence, and <laughs> it didn't work because they wanted him to be their feature guy. It kind of tells you where Texas Tech is versus mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. They didn't get Tyron Lawrence, so have to go elsewhere to have their feature guy. Western Carolina, I think, is another sneaky game. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to lose that game per se, but I think that's a finals week game, if I'm not mistaken, and that's yeah. a team that has a lot of athleticism has a bigger big than Vanderbilt has. So we'll see. I think maybe Western Carolina could cover that game at least, maybe not win it. Maybe that's not one that boosts your margin of victory a whole lot. Memphis, I think, is a game that is going to be really difficult for them in that environment against that team. I think that team would be a no-brainer AAC preseason pick if Florida Atlantic wasn't in the league. I'm kind of nerding out about mid-majors here, but I think – (laughs) <laughs> Memphis is a team that they're probably going to lose to, I would guess. I think they'll split in Vegas, and then I have a hard time seeing them not losing another game. Maybe they lose that to Boston College. Maybe they lose it to Texas Tech. That'll be in Texas, even though it's a little bit far from Texas Tech. will be in Tech. Fort Worth. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm just not super comfortable betting on this team in non-conference play at the moment based on what's happened throughout Stackhouse's tenure. Yeah. yeah, I agree, Joey. I mean, I – there are nine games I think that we can both agree on that are basically gimmies, right? The first four, Presbyterian, Upstate, Greensboro, and Central Arkansas. And then, I, you know, we differ on Boston College. I don't I'll, – I'll see. I might change my opinion on Boston College, but I still have that as, as a basically gimme. Just looking at last year, mm. you know, Alabama and m San Francisco, and then Western Carolina and Dartmouth. So you've got eight or nine realistically games that you should win. Right, and, and if you if you lose any of those, it's a killer. I mean, you saw it last year, Joey. I mentioned it last year. Southern Miss, you lost that one. You lost at VCU. VCU was pretty good, but you lost against Grambling. They were 80, 186 in the net. You can't lose to teams that are, you know, 
almost 200 in the net. You, you, you can't do that. So they cannot afford that. They've got to change that. But also, Joey, there's, there's three games, well, three, three to five, technically, depending on who they play, BYU or Arizona State, NC State, Texas Tech, and Memphis that I think are going to be tough. Uh, but it, you know, if they could split, or if they could, if they could get two out of those, you know, four wins. I think you know you're you're looking you're looking pretty good heading into the SEC play. So, I'll I'll agree with you. Nine, you said ten and three or nine and ten three. And three. Yeah. Ten and three. Yeah, I also, I agree. I, I I would I would say ten and three as well. Also, I think I want to note maybe the difference between this team making the NCAA tournament and not is whether they win nine versus eleven non-conference games. If they're eleven and two. Coming out of it, that's a whole lot different than nine and four, especially with the caliber of opponent. Vanderbilt's not going to have a whole lot of quad one and quad two opportunities in non-conference play. It has to win the games it has though on the schedule. Memphis, I think you can live with losing. Maybe Texas Tech, you can live with losing. But you have to go and <clears throat> get a few of those games to where you show the committee that you have something outside of SEC play. It didn't do that last year. Pitt was, I guess, its best win. But when they got the Pitt win, I think that was a quad three win. It turned into quad two by the end of non-conference play. But they had yeah. essentially nothing coming out of non-conference play, and it felt like the season was over at that point. And I guess to an extent it was. Vanderbilt made a late push, but it felt like the season was kind of done for at that point. So I'm interested to see can Vanderbilt kind of capitalize on one or two of its opportunities in non-conference play to go and be the team that's going to look good in February and March on the resume. Didn't do that a whole lot last year. This year I think that's probably going to be the difference between whether this team has a chance heading into the SEC tournament versus – whether it's kind of out of things. Yeah, it feels like this team needs a good showing in Vegas. Um, you know, and they had absolutely. What was the tournament they played in last year, Joey? The the preseason was it Hawaii? Uh, it was California. They played Fresno State, which I don't think that game looked good on them at all. I guess they won it, but that's a game they yeah. should have had to play. And then St. Mary's way better team than they were last year. St. Mary, yeah. So you know, that's a good opportunity for for you know a lot of those games are on ESPN, ESPN two for. You know, people to get an eye on you, and I, I just think a, a good showing in Vegas will be a good sign. But you've also, you know, Boston College. I think I, I'm starting to buy into that, Joey. That that might be a sneaky opportunity for a loss. We'll see about Texas Tech and Memphis. But yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll say ten and three as well. Uh, Joey, let's go to the next one. Bring back Joe Fisher. Asks a few questions here. Questions here. I think we could probably only answer two of them. Uh, but the first one will. F- which freshman will get the most playing time? And I think some people will be interested to hear your answer, Joey. I again, it's tough to to say right now. Um, you've got five, five freshmen on the team that I think will realistically play, right, or have a chance at playing: Jason Vera Torres, Malik Presley, Jake Roberts, Carter Lang, and Isaiah West. Unless you have an additional freshman. Uh, um. that you- <laughs> Somebody asked me about a surprise, and I think Colson Messer has had a good summer and good offseason program. I haven't seen their practices, though. They don't let me in. I'll probably be banging on the door at some <laughs> point, but they don't let me in. Uh, Stack has said good things about him, though, and I've heard some good things as well. So Okay, so throw, throw, so throw Colson throw, Messer throw in, all there, of them so. in there. <laughs> yeah, so you never know with Stack. I mean, that's the thing. But, Joey, I think my gut tells me Rivera Torres mm-hmm. will, will have the most playing time. But I also I'm a big JQ Roberts guy. I, I love what he. I mean, I, they they posted the clip of him in that three point shooting contest with Stack. He's a good player, and he's he's big, and he's got the he's got all the measurables. He's got all everything you want. Mm. Can they turn him into a good player? That's the question. But I would say Rivera Torres, and then maybe JQ Roberts after that. I don't I don't know if you agree. Um, I would say. This is based on some intel and some of my opinion. I think Rivera Torres will probably play the most. I think maybe he's a guy who pushes for starts by the end of the year. I hear a lot of people raving about him, and those people aren't always at Vandy. Those are some people from other schools around Nashville who have played pickup with him. He's a guy who I think will be really solid. Isaiah West, I think, is going to play. Whether they can find enough minutes for him at the one is going to be interesting to me. I think he's maybe the most ready outside of Rivera Torres, but it's interesting to see how they balance those minutes with Ezra and Paul Lewis, because I think those guys are both better at the one, and Wes is better at the one as well. So is Jordan Williams, the guy from Texas A&M. So it'll be interesting to see. J.Q. Roberts, I think, would be the third, and that's kind of where I cut it off. I think Roberts will play a little bit. I think he's a little raw still. But I think if he can shoot it well enough, he'll be a fine defender and somebody they like to have the athleticism of on the floor. Roberts put on 18 pounds this offseason. So 
take that for what it's worth. Malik Presley also put on 15. I think he's a little more far away than Roberts, but I could be wrong. That's what I've heard is that Rivera Torres, West, and Roberts will be the guys, and maybe there's a little bit of a drop between Rivera Torres and the other two. Maybe there's even a drop between West and Roberts. All right, next one from Bring Back Joe Fisher. <clears throat> will our style of play change from last year? And this is a good one. This is probably the best question I think we've gotten uh, in the mailbag. And, Joe, you look at the personnel. I mean, it's it's fairly different. I think the guards, like the guard room as a whole, is better than obviously than what you had last year. Um, I think they at times they ran through Liam Robbins last year when he was healthy. And I mean, as, as you know, I don't think they they have a post player they can run through this year. They they just don't. Um, they're running through their guards, but I think last year they ran through their guards as well at times. Like when Robbins wasn't healthy. Um, you know, they ran through their guards. So I, I think it'll be interesting. That the, the, the starting five, I think, is solid, Joey. I, I, I look at their starting five, and I say, that could be a tournament team. I mean, they, they could make some noise in the SEC at times if the matchups are right, right? I think this is a matchup-dependent team, though. Um, you know, so Manion and Lawrence in the backcourt, Evan Taylor as a slasher, Colin Smith as a guy that, Play a little down low, but he's a, he's a versatile four, stretch four type of guy. And then Van Allen Lubin, a young kid, but you know, rim runner, athletic. He can block shots. Not as good as Robbins, and he's not as good, nearly as good of a shooter as Robbins. I don't even know if you'd call him a shooter. Um, but I like that starting five, Joey. In terms of style of play, I don't, I don't think it'll be too much different, but I think it might be a little faster. I think it'll it it'll, it'll probably be. Um, the pace might be look and feel a little bit different. Um, but overall, I don't know how much their style of play will change a ton other than not really relying on a post player you know, too much like they did Robbins last year. Yeah, that's where I look offensively is I think <clears throat> maybe it's a little more read and react this year because they have the guards who can, I guess, establish the pain a little bit more, who can get downhill and kind of create for guys on the perimeter. I think Taylor might be – I haven't seen the offseason. Taylor might be their best catch-and-shoot guy, though. Smith's also up there. So I think they're going to be able to really spread it out offensively. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe it's a little more read and react, maybe less set-heavy because those guards have kind of been there before. Tyron Lawrence, keep in mind, hadn't even really been there last year as much because he was hurt and didn't have mm -hmm. a big role with Scottie Pippen on the team. So it'll be interesting to see, can those guys kind of make it a more free-flowing free offense earlier than set-heavy? And I think Taylor and Smith would be the guys who you run sets for, maybe Rivera Torres a little bit as well, just kind of get those guys shots off the catch. Maybe those guys replace like Trey Thomas in terms of that. Paul Lewis would probably get some sets run for him as well, um, like off of maybe pin downs or kind of running around the three-point line getting screened for. So I think it'll be maybe more read and react early versus sets, less of a post presence like you mentioned. Defensively, I think maybe they're able to switch more um, and hedge a little bit more with Van Allen Lubin. Dort, I don't think we'll be able to do that as much as Robbins or Melora Brown did. But I think maybe they have a little more switchability. Maybe they have a little more athleticism defensively. And maybe you could use that to pressure some ball handlers a little more and put some pressure on teams in general a little bit earlier than they did last year. They didn't really have the personnel to do that last year, even though Stack wanted to. I think Trey Thomas is a guy you look at who maybe didn't have the length uh, on the perimeter there and maybe some other guys as well. But the concern with pressing for me is that you don't have Liam Robbins back there to block the shot or even QMB. Defensively, though, I think they're going to have, I guess, the head of the snake, Ezra, and you have athleticism all over the perimeter with Lawrence, Rivera Torres, Roberts, Taylor, Smith. So I think they could be able to thrive off of a little ball pressure this year. Whether Stack actually does that, I'm not sure, because he talks about that every offseason. And never actually seems to do it, but I think he has the best personnel in terms of mixing up defensive looks that he's ever had. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how um, how everything fits together. Really, mm -hmm. uh, last one here from Bring Back Joe Fisher. Any surprises so far in early practices? We haven't been to practice, so we can't really. I, mean, I don't know if you have any intel on that, Joey. I don't. I certainly don't. But neither of us have been there, so I don't know how much of an intel we can give. Um, I talked about the summer session a lot. I haven't heard a whole lot of updated stuff, I guess. I would say I'll just give a general synopsis. They like Van Allen Lubin a lot. I think they think he's shown a little more face-up game than he had at Notre Dame throughout those practices. 
Colin Smith has taken a big leap. He only gained five pounds, but I think his body's in much better shape to kind of defend the four. And I think his off-the-dribble ability is a little bit more there than it has been in the past. Paul Lewis is supposedly somewhat of a different player than he was last year. We'll see about that. It's best shape of their life season. So I'm interested to see, is Paul Lewis actually a guy who takes a leap or is that just kind of buzz because he's a sophomore? Dort's supposed to be in better shape. Colson Messer is a freshman who's supposedly surprised some people. Um, Grant Carlton has done some good things as well. So you hear about everybody throughout these practices. It's hard to kind of decipher what's real and what's kind of people hyping guys up. But it feels like Colin Smith and Paul Lewis are certainly guys who have taken a step. Maybe not surprisingly, but those are guys who have taken a step a little bit. All right, let's go to VU Matt 23. What players are you all most excited to see play in the early games? I think that's a really good question. Um, I, I will say the transfers. Um, I don't. I mean, we'll probably see the freshmen also, but I'm just really interested in seeing how Evan Taylor meshes, sort of in the middle of that starting five. You know, how good, uh, how good is Evan Taylor? I mean, he averaged 14 points at Lehigh and and shot like 43% from three. Uh, but can he do that in the SEC? We won't really see if he can do that in the SEC, of course, until SEC play. But in the early games, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Taylor. I'm looking at Lubin. You know, how how athletic are these guys? You know, can they, you know, can they stand up against SEC competition? Uh, Tassos Comateros, kind of a, a little bit more of a mystery type of guy. I mean, he's, he's a pick-and-pop type four that I think can be good. Um, but does he fit in – kind of as an SEC four, you know, can he compete at that size, uh, especially down low um, and defensively, right? And defensively is really what I'm watching. Who's who's the better defenders? We know about Mignon and Lawrence, but how good are the freshmen, right? Does Rivera Torres come in and, and guard well? Uh, Roberts. So, I'm of course, we're watching the freshmen, Joey, but I'm more intrigued with Taylor, Lubin, and Camateros than, than anybody. Yeah, for me, I think the number one guy I'm watching is Jason Rivera-Torres. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of his off-the-dribble ability throughout the offseason, and I think Vanderbilt hasn't really had that a whole lot at the wing outside of Jordan Wright. So that would be a really interesting thing for me to see. Is Rivera-Torres kind of a catch-and-shoot guy like you kind of thought he was when he committed early? I always thought that he would turn into a guy who could maybe get it off the bounce a little bit, but whether he can do that as a freshman or not will determine a lot. I'm excited to see that. Whether Colin Smith can do the same, I'm interested to see as well what how much he plays at the four. I'm excited to see. Then on Lubin, I'm really excited to see. I covered his recruitment when I covered Notre Dame, and he had a lot of face-up game. He had a lot of off-the-bounce ability, not out of the post. I'm interested to see if that shows up at all or if he's kind of in the same role he was at Notre Dame last year, which is kind of just playing the five, catching lobs, catching the ball around the rim, and finishing off two feet with one hand or whatever. I'm interested to see that. Paul Lewis taking a step maybe. <clears throat> be interesting to see Isaiah West, the hometown guy as well, kind of how is he embraced by that crowd and how many minutes does he get as well. I think I'm excited to see the athleticism of Roberts and Presley as well. So there's a lot I'm excited about. Evan Taylor as well, I think, uh, is a guy I've been a little higher on than most, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm interested to see really everything, Billy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. A little, little bit of everything. All right. E.B., I don't even know how to say EB1831 asks, do you think Tyrod Lawrence will play point guard or will he mostly try to show playmaking, playmaking ability from the two guard position? Um, I mean, he'll play a little bit of point guard, but only if, you know, only giving Manion rest and only if Manion gets hurt. I don't think he'll play a ton of point guard. They might mix it up uh, more than we think maybe in the early games. Um, but I think for the most part, Joey, he's, he's playing the two and, and, you know, Manyo's job is to get him the basketball, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, get him the basketball and and let's get it up and down the court. Yeah, I agree. I think Tyron Lawrence is he has to be your alpha scorer, and putting the point guard responsibilities on him is not great. Obviously, the feedback he got is that they wanted to see more playmaking and such, but they don't have minutes there in my mind. Ezra Manyo's going to play thirty, maybe thirty-five minutes at point guard a game. Paul Lewis is probably better as a point guard. Isaiah West better as a point guard. Jordan Williams is better as a point guard. I don't know why you would move Tyron off of his best spot, I guess, unless you're just trying to appease NBA teams. I think you can certainly show playmaking ability at the two with the way he can get in the lane, and maybe he can kick it out a little bit. I don't know that he's going to show he's an NBA point guard this year, but also I think he's able to show kind of that playmaking ability from the two-guard spot. Trey Thomas did that a lot last year where 
he was just their secondary ball handler. They ran kind of two point guards at once. I think that's kind of the blueprint if you want to get Tyron Lawrence some facilitating uh, experience and show that he's a playmaker. All right, we got a couple more here, Joey. Rumble through these. Uh, this is a good one. GLH4VU asks, how big of a jump do you think Colin Smith takes, and how important is he that jump slash that jump to the team's success? I mean, <laughs> we, we've talked about this before, Joey. I think Colin Smith is potentially the X factor. Uh, I think we overrate that word X factor. Like this guy's the X factor heading into this season. You know, you, you could say that about a lot of guys, I think, but I look at Colin Smith and his development, right? Can, can he carry over what he did last year specifically in the NIT um, and, and continue that and, and build off of it. Right. Because that, I think that's one of the more important things with a lot of these guys. Can Paul Lewis do that? We saw what he could do in the SEC tournament. Lee Dort, not as much. Maybe he showed some flashes, but, you know, I think we're still kind of waiting and seeing with Dort and how consistent he can be. Um, but I'm excited, Joey, to see Colin Smith and, you know, did he improve shooting wise? Right. How, how, how consistent of a three point shooter is he? Right. Off the dribble. Because we saw a little bit more off the dribble in that NIT. Um, I think he is very important to this team's success. And I think this team, if Colin Smith averages double figures and is is playing the way Stack and fans would love to see him play, I think this is a tournament team, Joey. But if he's not, and I I, I act you know, I'm acting like this is all <laughs> all on Smith's shoulders. It's not, but he's such a I just think he's a key cog. Um, you know, he'll be playing a lot. And he's still young, though, right? So, so maybe he, maybe we don't see this, you know, the the real version of what we think Smith can be until late in the season. Um, but I think I think his his role is very important, Joey. Yeah, for me, the X factors are that sophomore class, particularly Dort, and then Smith kind of following along. I think Dort's really important for them, <clears throat> but Smith is also really important when looking at how big of a leap he can take. I think all the peripherals are there. Last year with Tyron Lawrence, you caught the eye test kind of told you you take a leap and him putting on weight did. But this year, I think Colin Smith has everything that um, you'd want. Tyron Lawrence didn't have the stats or the efficiency that you would think of with a guy who would take the leap, but he did. Colin Smith does. Colin Smith shot, I think, 40% from three last year. Um, is a guy who showed a little bit more off the dribble. He worked on his body. So it feels like naturally there's a leap in there. He's already a good rebounder. I think Colin Smith probably ends up around 10 to 12 points with six rebounds or five rebounds a game. I think you certainly take that. I think he's one of their better rebounders, maybe their best outside of Van Allen Lubin and Lee Dort. So there's a lot to like there with Colin Smith. I think it's really important, though. If they don't have a third scoring option, they're going to have a hard time. Maybe that's Rivera Torres. Maybe that's Colin Smith. Maybe that's Evan Taylor, Van Allen Lubin. Somebody's got to step up and kind of define themselves as their third best player, at least on a night-to-night basis. I don't know that they're going to have one guy who's going to average all these points and be their third guy. But if they can have a guy who in the Auburn game, they can rely on to hit shots late. That isn't Ezra Mignon or Tyron Lawrence. I think that's really important as well. And Colin Smith can maybe fill that role. When Mignon and Lawrence are being locked up, Joey, or they're just not feeling it one night, where does this team go? I think that's, I just think that's the question heading into the season. When those guys are down or is one of them hurt, and you can't rely on them because you're not going to be able to every night. Where do you go? Is it Taylor? Is it Smith? Is it Lubin? Is it some of the sophomores? Is it some of the freshmen? We don't know. There's a lot of lot of uh, options there for Stack. A, little, little, you know, a few more talented depth pieces there that I think he's excited about. He should be. Year five, I think they're confident uh, in what they've got. And uh, it'll be fun, Joe. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. And we're getting close, just under a month away from the start of the season. Home opener, Presbyterian, Tuesday night, November 7th. Presbyterian finished last year 353 in the net. So <laughs> it should be uh, should be a win for the doors. Last one here, Joey, from Morgan33. Due to Vandy football, how excited are you to start to start covering basketball? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to cover some winning. Presbyterian, I wanted to bring up as well, their point guard from last year is a GA Vandy in their center is at Lipscomb now. So that's a team that Vanderbilt should be pretty easily. But, Billy, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Uh, I'm tired of finishing my story. I mean, I love finishing my stories early, but my stories are done by the end of the third quarter at football games. Billy, I want some action. I want to be able to talk about games that 
are close and are exciting. And Vandy football has been good to me. They've been good to you. But, man, it's tough at this point in the year. Yeah, repetitive uh, is, is an understatement, uh, I would <laughs> think so. And now you get uh, you get the Georgia Bulldogs coming to town, the number one Georgia Bulldogs. And what to we'll watch talk a lot. on Thursday. <laughs> Tune Stay in. tuned for that. We've got uh, the pregame show coming up Friday for Vandy, Georgia. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, the roundtable pod with me, Chris, and Luke. Coming out, Joey will be at SEC uh, Media Days. They're calling it SEC Tip-Off. That is October 18th and 19th. Um, so Vanderbilt will have Lawrence, Magnone, and Stackhouse down there. So that'll be fun to watch. They'll have coverage on the SEC Network. Joey will be down there, and Joey, that'll do it. Uh, I think we said let's try to keep this at 45 minutes. Went a little over an hour, but that's okay. I think that's a good sign. Heading into yeah. basketball season, we've we got a lot to talk about, and uh, we will keep rolling. Uh, but for Joey Dwyer, I'm Billy Derrick. Thanks for tuning in to the Vanderbilt basketball season preview.